I'm Alex Stillay, and this is Vision Vibes, the podcast bringing you the uplifting stories of inspiring people from all walks of life. If you've listened to this podcast before, you might already know that one of my passions is to write. And as a writer, one of the first things you learn is that you never underestimate your reader. We're naturally inclined to shy away from hard topics, but when writers do so, their work can feel timid or unnatural or even uninspired. But then what do you do when your audience is children? How honest and open can you be with them? Nadine Kadan is today's guest, and she is an award-winning children's book author and illustrator from Syria. She left her homeland in 2013 and rebuilt her life in the UK. In 2020, she was voted one of the 100 most influential and inspiring women around the world in a poll by the BBC. Nadine fights for inclusivity. Her mission is for every child to see themselves in a story. In her own books, she writes a lot about Middle Eastern culture. It's her memories of Damascus that inspired one of her most successful works called The Jasmine Sneeze. We got Nadine to read us an extract and tell us what inspired her to become a children's book author. Harun is the happiest cat in the world. He lives in Damascus, the city of a million and one cats. He spends most of his time sleeping on the marble floor next to the fountain in his favorite courtyard. There is one thing that ruins everything. Jasmine. Harun can't stand the sweet-scented flowers. Their pollen makes him sneeze so much that he can't sleep. So if you read the Jasmine Sneeze, I mention a lot the sun, the summer nights, the things that I miss the most, my city, Damascus. So for example, the arches, I've always, when I was a child, I would look at them and you're small and you look up high and you look at the arches and the way they are designed and the way that makes you feel how grand the place is and that you find them very easily in my book. And the fountains, the fountains is part of every childhood probably in, who lives in Damascus. All of that you find it in the book things that I just simply love and I miss. It's a simple kind of love letter or nostalgia to my old city. You always wonder whether you want to write a story to tell the children about the war or whether you want to protect them and hide and tell them everything is okay. And I remember my niece was was confused. She doesn't know what's going on. And suddenly on the weekend, we you go outside of the city, you go to the suburb, and we stopped doing that. And she would ask us why we're not doing that, why the weekend was stuck at home. And I realized the importance that children need to know what's going on. They are part, they're not excluded. And the best way to tell them what's going on is through a children's book. So that's what also part of the inspiration of the book is not only acknowledging, but also explaining the situation. I'm really sorry, she said, but you can't go to the park right now. People are fighting in the street and getting out of the house is too dangerous. Even when it comes to kids here in the UK, many parents will ask themselves, why do I want to tell my children about the war? We live here. It's a safe country. Why would I ever want to expose them to such difficult realities? but they're not excluded. They know what's going on. Every single story reading I have in a school, they know what's going on in Syria. They have met a refugee here and there. 
So we can't keep them with this half knowledge, knowing and not knowing and having wrong information. These stories are important for them, for us to not exclude them, to explain to them what's going on. Children need to know what's going on in the world. We have an instinct to want to protect the most vulnerable among us from everything bad that's going on. But there are ways to open a conversation about even the most difficult topics with children. Honestly, I don't know that much about children. My only child is a fluffy munchkin cat named Hemingway. Which is why I'm happy to be able to learn from people like Nadine. People who think about these important problems and who come up with solutions through art. Although, it's not always easy, is it? The publishing world has historically struggled with diversity and inclusivity. There are many children around the world who would love to hear the stories of people like Nadine, stories that they can really relate to. But it's very hard for writers like her to even be published. Imagine for someone who is determined to grow up and write stories that are authentic to our culture and proud heritage, and I arrived to the UK. And this is when I realized the shocking and sad statistics. At the time when I arrived in London, I remember it was it 2014, there were only 3% children's books that um, feature character of color or of ethnic minority. 3%. And in industry, that is so difficult to get in, so hard to get published. I thought it was the mission impossible and I never thought I'm going to be published here. It was really, really hard. If we believe in reading for pleasure and children should read more, if we want a child to read more, this child needs to relate to the story. How can we expect a child to relate to a story if they don't see themselves in these stories, if they feel disempowered, if they feel in the background, if there aren't enough characters of color, if they don't, if the only character they see are white characters or, or Western, Western culture, their culture is not represented, they're going to read less, they're going to feel disempowered and they're going to feel left out. And I feel like a lot of problems in the world happening today uh, start on the bookshelf. And, and, and there's something I always say and I repeat that start of, um, end of racism starts on the bookshelf really. If we want to build an empathetic world, we need to show that word to our children. Children need to understand and build empathy through books, through stories. So for example, my son's favorite character, it's uh, a little girl from Ghana. And that's beautiful. He loves that character. He relates to, we keep reading that story. And that's to show you a small detail of how more empathetic the world be if we read stories from different cu cultures. Reading my book for children, especially refugee children who went through the horrific uh, experience of war, was surprising for me because I just went naively, not knowing what to expect. I got the book with a bit of chocolate and biscuits and then went to a refugee camp in Lebanon and said, can I read the book? Can I read the story? And yeah, it was, it was shocking to me to see how therapeutic storytelling is, how the whole session turned into them wanting to tell me their own story, how they left their home and how they left their country and what happened to their school and when they stopped going to school. Them suddenly feeling acknowledged that we are there, that we are seen and your, your suffering matter. We see what's going on with you and it's temporary. This is not going to be your forever life, hopefully. And for the first time, I truly realized the, the effect of art and culture on children and how therapeutic and important it is in a in difficult time like this. It is actually essential. On February 6, 2023, a powerful earthquake devastated southern Turkey and northwestern Syria. 
Thousands of Syrians lost their lives, and many more went missing. Syria didn't receive the same level of humanitarian assistance as Turkey did. Nadine shared with us her thoughts on the tragedy. It was heartbreaking for us to see that it took three days for any rescue mission to reach Syria. So basically, people died under the rebels. I found it extremely sad and devastating to see that some victims are treated with more urgency than others, and some lives are treated, are considered more precious than others. I have two young children, and I refuse to tell them that in this world, people are treated differently for one reason or the other. But I will tell them that the world is very often unfair. And it is up to us to act and to speak against this unfairness. It's been 10 years that we felt that we are left behind and we are feeling it again with this devastating earthquake. I'm doing fundraisings. Many Syrians are joining me in doing this. And I'm hoping that many individuals and many people from around the world will join me to help victims in Syria, victims of the earthquake. At the end of our interview with her, Nadine left us with a message. She told us, I'm a proud Syrian, and we will recover. Between the bloody, drawn-out, years-long conflict and the recent earthquake, Syria has a lot to recover from. What has been destroyed could take generations to rebuild. It'll be a long and, and painful effort. Through her art, Nadine reminds us why it's all worth it. When all we see on the news is war and devastation, we forget about wherever there are people, there's a culture. And wherever there's a culture, there is beauty. And when we see Syrian refugees and migrants, let, let's all remember that we're seeing the artists and the architects from this country. We're seeing the doctors and the chefs and authors like Nadine, all people who make up this complex patchwork of society. We're seeing a rich culture, one that was built up over millennia, and we can all contribute to its preservation. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. This episode was originally broadcast by NHK World Japan on television as part of the interview series, Direct Talk. I especially recommend watching Nadine's episode of Direct Talk so that you can see actual images from her children's books. You can find the transcript for this episode and all of our other stories on the Vision Vibes website. I've been Alex Delay. See you next time.